Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm your master of ceremonies, Matt. Dude, we're here. It's, we it's it. time. It's time to talk Jennifer's body. <laughs> <laughs> now, remind me, how long have you known about this movie? Several years. <laughs> okay. Because I was introduced uh, to it by you in college. Is that tr- I don't think I knew that. I had never seen it before I watched it with you. Did you know about it at the very least? Not really. I knew a little bit about it, but nothing more than I had seen on like the DVD cover. Oh, all right. Okay. So <laughs> this is going to be another movie that I need to set the vibe for. <laughs> <laughs> so how I, I mean, I had kind of more or less, I mean, we were around growing up in the mid 2000s. So we at the very least knew about Megan Fox, mm-hmm. um, which is a big thing with this. I mean, this movie's very, like its popularity, especially now at times, is predicated on the fact that Megan Fox starred in it and has on numerous occasions come out in support of this movie as her favorite of her entire filmography. Mm-hmm. And that includes like the very commercially successful Transformers movies that she was in after this, or uh, I should the say, the first one this. was before, and yeah, the rest of them were after. <laughs> yes. So, I you know I probably like you you know we knew Megan Fox, she, you know, we knew she was hot. Mm-hmm. Like that was more or less just what we what Megan Fox was to the pre-adolescent boys that they were trying to market her movies to. Um, however, I didn't see this movie till I was in high school, and I got into it because of a music video of a song that is on the soundtrack. I think it's an original song for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be Panic at the Disco's New Perspective, yeah. which is uh, my favorite Panic at the Disco song, hands down. <laughs> I just think it's such a vibe. It very much captures the era that this movie is set in, Mm -hmm. which uh, I go on record to say uh, 2009 was the last real year. And I stand (laughs) by that statement because I think that around 2009, 2010 is when like the quote unquote modern world started. You know, Mm -hmm. Facebook had kind of started to become actually popular. Um, Obama's in the White House. People start getting real mad. And, you know, things are becoming less and less fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that those two things are identifiable as related, just something I noticed. Um, but that was also still the era of, like, emo scene, pop punk, MySpace, like, proto what I knew Warped Tour to be, where it was, like, very emo punk scene kid era. Mm-hmm. This is back when it was still, like, kind of cool to be like in a rock band in high school and you weren't like oh so you're just like emo as fuck Mm -hmm. um like it was cool for popular kids to be into like my chemical romance and fallout boy i feel like i'm not the authority on this i feel like i should have someone older than me talking about it (laughs) (laughs) but um that is very much what this movie is the vibe of Mm -hmm. um the dialogue is very of that time period oh yeah the music is very much of the time period and the tone is very much of the time period um and i think that aside from everyone in the movie uh that tone comes from diablo cody which we should talk about the production before we get into this um masterpiece of movie i want to take it like almost seriously until we open up the can of worms that is the movie that is the actual movie fucking 
it's bonkers. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's so crazy, and I love it. I'm glad. So before we get into that, I've I've already kind of railed on. Um, give me what your general. How would you describe this? Movie? This movie. Yes. Uh, so okay. So for anyone who's uh, f- familiar with um, <laughs> uh, succubus and those uh, mythological creatures, if you will. What's a succubi? Uh, a succubus is a um, essentially a seductor, uh, more, mostly of men, sometimes of any gender. It can be very open mm-hmm. in which um, the quote-unquote demon is there to drain souls of something. In this case, their blood, we, we assume. It's never really explicitly <laughs> stated. But <laughs> I don't think it's just the blood, Danny. <laughs> I mostly just... Uh, I mean, you're right. But um, yeah. so this movie is um, essentially when, sacrifi- when sacrificial murder goes awry and you accidentally yeah. open a portal to um, a very popular, attractive girl going about high school as, I mean, as a succubus, kind of. But more importantly, this movie is about her friend and how her friend has to deal with her friend now being a monster. And I want everyone that just said, what? To know that, yes, you're right. (laughs) however this is not going to be stupid or boring Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting because it's not going to take any of that seriously (laughs) yes (laughs) um (laughs) i think i really like there's just no better way to to say that Mm -hmm. uh to, to talk about the tone without talking about the movie without talking about the type of people that made this, this is the only thing that they could have put together all together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Um, You've got, you've got what Oscar winning uh, writer, uh, Diablo Cody. Did she win an Oscar for Juno or at least like she uh, got extreme uh, critical success for writing. She did uh, win the Oscar for it. Yes. Okay, okay. And actually, she wrote uh, Jennifer's Body at the same time when she (laughs) was writing Juno. They both were written in 2006, and then Jennifer's Body ended up on the 2007 uh, Hollywood Blacklist, which for those who aren't familiar with it, that's essentially Hollywood's picks of their favorite scripts that weren't made into movies that year. Right. And when it did go into production, everyone was like, ooh, interesting. Because if it's on the blacklist, it's something to keep your eyes out for. So I am probably the opposite vibe of Diablo Cody. She is a uh, well-known cult writer, director um, in like of the more alt modern day feminist scene. Mm -hmm. Um, She's very famous for uh, writing Juno, of course, starring... um, uh, God, is Michael Sarah in it? I think J.K. Simmons is there too. He is, and uh, Elliot Page. Elliot Page, yes. Uh, and it, it uh, again. I mean, it won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It must have been pretty good. Uh, I personally haven't seen it. Um, I actually but, also uh, have not seen it. 
my parents loved that movie and i'm like my parents sometimes will like things and i'm like oh okay like that is completely the opposite of what i thought your vibe was but like mm-hmm. all right cool um like my mom was like oh man i really want to get into breaking bad it's really good i'm like all right mom Amazing. i didn't know that was your shit but fuck yeah <laughs> um so diablo cody immediately after she made this oscar winning movie made this mm-hmm. so anyone who was paying attention at that time at least knew this movie was coming out or when it came out knew that she made it yeah so because it she was, was talked about yeah she was fresh off the um oscar trail actually juno was her first screenplay that was produced mm-hmm. so this was mm-hmm. her yeah. second movie so everyone's excited to see where she's going next and little do they realize she's delving her foot into horror <laughs> So of that, of that, um, Diablo Cody was quoted as saying, "She basically she was a fan of horror movies from the '80s and '90s when she was growing up." Mm-hmm. Um, so I would assume probably the faculty, uh, Kevin Williamson scripts, um, and she specifically pointed to the Lost Boys, um, which I think yeah. is kind of interesting because that movie is on its face, you know, it's it's vampires, it's mm-hmm. cool '80s stuff, but. Remember who directed that, Danny? Was Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. Yes. So not only did he go on to make the Batman movies, but he also is himself a gay man directing movies throughout his career, pretty much open to Mm -hmm. who he is. So, and as we know from the Batman movies, that sometimes like his his vibe and his um his his uh what's the word I'm looking for, um showmanship, his flashiness, (laughs) his his snaz tends to get into i mean this all in a very positive way i know i just can't with the word snaz snaz his je ne sais quoi there we go Uh, it tends to um permeate the work so lost boys is pretty gay Mm -hmm. uh like in in full respect i love the lost boys Uh, i know steph loves the lost boys um but diablo cody specifically said she wanted to honor the spirit of the lost boys Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, she never really had seen this particular subgenre of horror done with girls. Mm-hmm. And she tried to do a little of both. Um, despite this, she said that she had noticed that the last survivor standing in a typical horror film is a woman. It's that final girl trope. Mm-hmm. And that this is because she feels, she personally feels, that horror has always had kind of a feminist angle to it in a weird way. And at the same time, it's kind of delightfully exploitive. So she does have a good point where like horror does tend to be this magnet for people that are like on the outside of what most mainstream stuff is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously women would gravitate towards horror too, because not only is there work for them there, because it is exploitative, mm-hmm. but it's also like, it will be exploitative, but then those movies will also be directed by women. And it's kind of in some cases, part of the experience is to yeah. just be, over the top and like kind of like what we saw in X and what it was paying homage to with like Friday the 13th mm-hmm. where like back in the day there was not like a horror movie that was like this it was basically just like porn where people also died yeah and that was okay and because that was supposed to be what they were going for mm-hmm. yeah um but this movie definitely plays into both of those aspects very very well absolutely um and yeah I do love um about how both uh, Diablo Cody and the director both went very far into delving with the complex relationship 
and I do use the term relationship pointedly between mm-hmm. um, Jennifer and Needy, which also I can never mm-hmm. get over Needy's name. Every I single funny. thing I talk, I, I, <laughs> every single thing I read, they're like, her name came from like her personality. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's not like <laughs> genius. Like, wow, well done. <laughs> I'm like, I got that. <laughs> Um, yeah that they all but make a joke of that (laughs) oh absolutely um and i'm sure this quote that i'm starting to read and getting ahead of myself with um talks about how um it's interesting to see a typical movie like this where you're the your friend is becoming this monster from a female perspective of Mm. female friendship which can be very intense um, from some of the female friendships I have seen in my lifetime. I mean, Diablo Cody straight up, like, we get into this, like, oh, wow, it's so it's so open and it's so, like, it's great at showing this, you know, bisexuality and stuff in a very honest way. And I think it does it in such an honest way because Diablo Cody was just like, yeah, um, the intensity of female bonds and adolescent female friendships that she experienced were unparalleled in their intensity. And those are her words. Yeah. So like, maybe it's just like the same thing with like guys being like, you bros are almost gay. Like it's that same type of energy where like, you're just so close that you might as well be dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Chip straight up keeps asking Jennifer to stop stealing his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you're on your point. You brought up the director, uh, Karen Kusama. <clears throat> she, uh, Diablo Cody said of her that uh, her and Karen are both outspoken feminists, that she said, and that we wanted to subvert the classic horror model of women being terrorized. Uh, I want to write roles that serve women. I want to tell stories from a female perspective. I want to create good parts for actresses where they're not just accessories to men. And what was kind of poignant at least where it would it would be poignantly telling about megan fox specifically is like i I did a little bit of legwork on this i asked some uh of my friends that i know are like really really into uh following like megan fox's life now um Mm -hmm. and that she's kind of shed all decorum of being anything other than just authentically herself Mm -hmm. so she kind of is super pigeonholed into like being the hot female like supporting character yeah for most of her career and i think that i mean transformers that is her part to the t mm-hmm. this movie was all about that it was about a good part for a female character and a female character who may or may not be bisexual in the movie, but an actress who in real life is bisexual, who gets mm-hmm. to play that authentically. Um, and according to Amanda Seyfried, almost good enough to like kind of turn her like a little gay. Well, yeah, they, we'll get into, I saw we'll them talking about that. how they have, they actually had like true physical attraction to each other when making this movie. Like it's sweet, but also like, <laughs> like listening to Amanda Seyfried talk about, making out with Megan Fox like you could hear the twinkle in her eye (laughs) Um, but I I think that that speaks to the fact that it's not exploitative it's not like here's two chicks getting on it's like no these are two people who you expect that this is something they would do based on the way they are their very human role the way that Mm -hmm. they are the perspective that they have 
in a world of archetypes and surface level people specifically in this movie to be written that way mm-hmm. and still having these characters be this deep is very cool and very refreshing yeah um throughout this series we've been trying to highlight the horrors of growing up growing mm-hmm. up is a pain so specifically i was glad that i found this quote from miss cody talking about that specifically uh, that she wanted to highlight the horrors of growing up and the horrors of puberty. Uh, there's this scene where Jennifer's sitting alone, smearing makeup on her face as before the, the dance. Mm-hmm. And she said, I always thought that that was such a sad image. She's so vulnerable. I don't know any woman who hasn't had a moment sitting in front of the mirror and thinking, help me. I want to be somebody else. What makes it extra affecting is that Megan Fox is in herself stunning. Mm-hmm. So, that aspect of growing up as a pain is one that you and I being geeky men in high school did not have as much of a focus on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's nice that despite the two of us being the opposite of this movie's intended empowering audience Mm -hmm. still can recognize (laughs) that that is an important thing. The movie is saying. Yeah. That's why, that's why I was so excited to cover this movie. I'm like, man, I can't wait to talk about how empowering it must be to literally anyone that is not me, who is yeah. a straight white man. <laughs> I mean, I love it still. Like, I think the movie is dope, but like, mm-hmm. that is also a factor <clears throat> that I wanted to make sure we talked about yes. before we got too goofy. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, who produced this movie that you know? Okay, so anybody who knows me knows i have an affinity for the ghostbusters franchise Um, yeah i heard you didn't like it that much oh yeah you know i don't have my little shrine by me right now in my room (laughs) um but um there's a very important family when it comes to the ghostbusters franchise and that's the reitmans um namely ivan reitman rest in peace uh, who started the franchise back in 1984. And importantly, his son, Jason Reitman, who first appeared in the franchise in Ghostbusters 2 and then went on to direct uh, the most recent of the franchise, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and is now... Yeah, I heard that one was good. Oh, I'm not going to talk about that right now because <laughs> um, I don't want to cry. But... <laughs> Yeah. Um, he's currently spearheading Ghost Core with Sony uh, Studios. So he's basically now in charge of everything Ghostbusters. But in the late 2000s and early 2010s, he was making very different movies. And he wasn't very much looking into um, a franchise that his father had made. He was trying to make very uh, interesting dramas that could help inspire people to do things. So he and Diablo Cody had previously worked together on Juno, which he directed. Uh, and he had worked with several of the actors in this movie between that movie and his 2009 movie up in the air. And he was like, you know, I really like Diablo Cody and how she writes. So I'm going to help finance Jennifer's body and make it happen. Do you still have that quote I texted you the other night when I was working out the research? I just thought it was such a cool, interesting I thing do. to tie both of our worlds together. <laughs> yes. So um, Jason Reitman 
I'm directly quoting now, says, um, I remember cracking open my father's laser disc of Nightmare on Elm Street and having the coolest movie moments of my childhood, and I can't imagine having that experience with any other genre. I can't imagine dangerously opening a broad comedy in the middle of the night, hoping I wouldn't get caught. I have an idea there's a kid out there who will be secretly opening up a Blu-ray of Jennifer's body, and I think it's pretty exciting to all of us. That was me that was me when i was 14 years old (laughs) i just felt like it's all come full circle yeah and i I think it's really cool that he's involved with this movie i think it's so fun that out of everybody i think it's just too fitting for us first of all but exactly um, I think it's so important that he was such an integral part to this. And obviously it still affects the way he thinks about things because Mm -hmm. as far as I know, I haven't looked into his filmography, but I think this is one of his few forays into the horror genre. Yeah. I'm going to have to look, but man, it just feels great that like one day you're going to meet him. And one of the things you can say is like, Hey man, love Jennifer's body. Yeah. (laughs) He'll be like, Oh shit. No way. He's going to be like this. This is a real fan. He's been with it from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I become best friends with Jason Reitman. (laughs) Exactly. That's the way in. (laughs) Do you have anything else for him? Did you come across anything else in your research? I mean, not really, no. Um, I don't really know much about his other producing credits, but I, I just am so glad he was a part of this. And obviously he wanted to support both this director and the screenwriter in telling the story they wanted to tell when some of the people, some of the other people in the marketing team they had were not so understanding of what they were trying to accomplish. It was, I was glad to see that Jason was like, no, 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 do what you want to do because I trust you guys. Right. Yeah. And again, I think it just speaks to when, when cool alt type artsy type people get together and they're allowed to do whatever they want, they get to make stuff like this and yeah. just stuff that is so poignant years later in ways that people wouldn't have expected. Cause like this movie did not do well critically. Oh no. But, I believe it's currently sitting at like a 35% on rotten tomatoes. But according to the Wikipedia, it said in the wake of the meat movement, but I, I guess I don't, I don't see the direct correlation, but at the very least, I think that just in the wake of Megan Fox being more vocal about how fucked up shit is, maybe mm-hmm. that's what it was referring to. Um, this movie's come back because she's been like, yeah, Jennifer's body's great. Y'all should see that. And then yeah. everyone did and was like, oh, wait, it's great. And they were like, oh, she's, she's totally right. I think it was on like Netflix for a while too. It was. I think that no, we had the DVD when we watched it. No, I I definitely bought this. <laughs> um, I had to watch I it on the Peacock the other night, um, Ooh, okay. which was almost great because it was there and I didn't have to find it elsewhere. But and yeah. I'm going to point this out for any of our uh, listeners out there who want to watch this movie. Um, it is currently streaming on Peacock, but the thing to be aware of if you watch it on Peacock is it has like a weird TV edit version on there. So like they censor anytime it's, they're supposed to say the word fuck, which comes up like, I don't know, maybe six times total in the movie. And like, they don't try to like say something else instead, which I was glad, 
but it's just weird to have like a couple seconds of silence while you see an actor on screen say fuck and not hear it happen. <laughs> and like, there's a couple of times where you like, you know, it's getting ready to uh, fade out to commercial and then it comes back into the movie. And luckily on Peacock, we don't get those commercials, but you do get yeah. the weird transitions that aren't in the original movie. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. So that's just something to be aware of if you're checking this out on Peacock. Um, but it, it doesn't take anything away from the movie. I do want to also preface with that. Um, oh, of course I, not. I don't think it took anything away because as far if memory serves, no scenes were cut. No scenes were really altered at all. They're all pretty much still there in their full capacity just with a couple censorship things. Yeah, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, I own the unrated cut, which has about two or so minutes of extra footage. It's mostly just like with the Saw unrated movies. Mm -hmm. Um, The violent, gory scenes are extended a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe that's about... There was one other thing I found. It wasn't like extra scenes or like other things were there. I think it was just like, it's a little bit more violent. And um, you might see Megan Fox's side boob if you look hard enough. Like, I think maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, nothing really now that major. Yeah. Um, So do you want to talk about who's in this? (laughs) Let's let's do this. So yes, we've already mentioned uh, Megan Fox stars as Jennifer Check, which also I have to give my little fun fact about the character. Is it about her last name? It sure is. I knew you would know what I was talking about. (laughs) It's another one of those things that I read and I'm like, great insight Diablo code like again I think I have a lot of respect for her but mm-hmm. like some of the reasonings I'm like congratulations <laughs> um, so yes Jennifer Check's last name uh, is Check because when uh, Diablo Cody was writing the movie she was going through essentially a checklist of making sure that she had everything she needed to in order to make the best screenplay she could and so she was like, all right, I got uh, Needy, check. I got Jennifer, check. Wait, I like that. And so she just left her name as Jennifer, check. And I just think you know, that's too funny. Some people just funny. name people things. Like some people just name them because it sounds fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just sound like, congratulations, check. <laughs> I think that's funny. <laughs> I just thought it was like a little like, wow. I'm glad I learned this. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm like, it just seems like so like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have uh, Amanda Seyfried, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. I think that she says it two different ways just to throw people off and spread the, the legend of how <laughs> the different ways you say fantastic. her. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it's Seyfried. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she stars as our protagonist of the film, nicknamed Needy. Um, and this was probably fresh after when she made Mamma Mia for any of our musical theater fanatics out there listening. Yeah, so Amanda Seyfried is in so many things that like squares would know, mm-hmm. but also like a lot of things that like weird people like me would know. <laughs> <laughs> like she's of course in... Uh, Mamma Mia, she is in uh, Mean Girls, mm-hmm. she's in Les Miserables, uh, but she's also in like Red Riding Hood, this, like other I things. I forgot about Red Riding Hood. 
You oh actually God. saw Red Riding Hood? Oh, God, no. But I remember oh, the God. advertising campaign. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Um, Amanda Seyfried. It could, like, if anyone, like, everyone knows who she is, I, I would assume most people would know. Mm-hmm. But, like, from what? That's very telling. Yes. <laughs> like, how do you know Nicolas Cage? Like, that's very telling. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, uh, she had one on record. I wish I still had the quote in front of me. But yeah, she went on record saying that um, she's like, yeah, I was, con- I was confused as to why more people didn't see this. Like, it was me and Megan Fox making out and like, fuck it. And like, they had close-up shots on us tongue-kissing each other. Mm-hmm. Why did people not go see it? <laughs> yeah, she was like surprised people didn't seem super into making out with Megan Fox, or at least that people didn't seem like they were into as into it as she was because she was very (laughs) yes like go you man go ahead bud okay um so i always i know we both really like talking about if we have the information around um talking about people who also auditioned for the roles and may or may not have been offered it or uh, right such and so for this movie, specifically for Needy and Jennifer, we have a couple fun little tidbits, very much of the era. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, both Brie Larson and Emma Stone auditioned for the role of Needy that later on went to Amanda Seyfried. And um, Blake I mean, they Lively... Might as well have said, they might as well have said Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> like they just want to hit all of the like, mid-2000s teenage comedies. It's true. Um, and Blake Lively was actually signed on to play Jennifer until a scheduling conflict made it so she could no longer do the movie. And then they went on to cast Megan Fox. Which is so wild because I feel like that Megan Fox was like born for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, seeing Blake Lively in this would have, I feel like, would have been a very different movie. Yeah, it probably would have been taken more seriously. She like because Blake Lively is a fantastic actor and probably would have gotten like, nah, man, let's get like serious about this. And Megan Fox was like, what if we just made it a meme? As like, Megan Fox was along for the ride. Blake Lively would have given notes, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. I feel like I should preface no, that. No, just the two but... types of actors. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, you're right. Like, I feel like it's it would have been good in two different ways, but mm-hmm. this way just seems like the most fun and unique. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh. Needy's boyfriend Chip, who's one of the best characters yes, ever in I any high him. school movie, uh, he's played by Johnny Simmons, mm-hmm. uh, who just sounds like a kid you would go to high school with. Uh, yeah. He is a uh, pretty much an, a mainstay of uh, 2000s era stuff mm-hmm. that had teenagers in it. Um, he was in Perks of Being a Wallflower, um, Evan Almighty, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim, and Whiplash. Do you remember him from Whiplash? Okay, so it freaked me out when I saw this in your notes because I was like, I've seen Whiplash so many yeah. times and I've never once seen Johnny Simmons in it. And I know why yeah. that is now. Uh, Why is that? Johnny Simmons actually was not in the 2014 Academy Award nominated and winning movie Uh, Whiplash. He did the short film with J.K. Simmons where he played Miles Teller's part in the short film. 
Isn't that kind of interesting then? Because J.K. Simmons is in this movie mm-hmm. as well. So I wonder which one they did first. Uh, Jennifer's Body was 09. The short film was 2013. So, so they knew they... each other going into that short film. <laughs> so you're telling me that before the legendary movie Whiplash was conceived, there was a short film where the two main actors who came in to play extremely dynamic, very intense performances were putting their shit down off stage and went, huh, remember Jennifer's body? <laughs> I really hope they did. <laughs> I always think that that happens. Every time, like like what we talked about last week with um, uh, Sean, uh, David Patrick, what a, I always forget his last name, his first name, the guy that was um, the T-1000. Oh yeah, Robert, Robert Patrick. Patrick. Robert Patrick. I wonder if him and John Cena did that on Peacemaker when they were like, remember the Marine? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I do love the Johnny Simmons and J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons, I have to note, in this movie, because he is in here. Wait, they're not related, are they? I don't think so. I'd have to check, but I'm fairly (laughs) certain they're not. Um, Gotta check now. (laughs) But... Um, I love that this is him playing a teacher in a very different way than he would win an Oscar for. Because he, the, those so two wild. teachers could not have been more different. Because He's lest so... we forget, my fav- probably my favorite line I've ever heard J.K. Simmons say is... Oh, I have like uh, a couple of them combined. <laughs> oh, I know one of them's in here because I read it and I read it in the voice and I have to say it now. Because um, how can how can anyone forget when he talks about how the kids shouldn't worry about who's a cool dude and who's a hoe? Because <laughs> the voice he has, he also has a really weird haircut in this movie. So it took me yeah, like yeah. half of his first scene to recognize him. He also has a hook for a hand. Yes. I think just because. <laughs> Well, and I like that whole why. first scene, the whole scene where he says that, I mean, first of all, like all of my notes about him were just taken from that scene. Yeah. And that would have been enough. He, luckily for us, he's in the rest of the movie, but yes. like he's instantly iconic in like the two minutes that he's in. <laughs> because yeah, he's got this like dark brown haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what he teaches because he didn't actually teach any actual lesson. Not a thing. <laughs> he just kind of talked about what was happening in the plot. Talked about the deaths <laughs> and was like, "Let's let's move on, guys." But yeah, then he's got his hook hand where he like try, he gives a girl like fucking tissue. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's like, you can't be worried about who's a cool dude, who's a hoe, and you, know, you can't, you just can't let that damn fire win. <laughs> and yeah i i absolutely forgot that he was in like i've 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 definitely watched this a little bit more than you but i totally forgot that he was in it so his him showing up i'm glad was both a surprise to both of us yes well yeah poor matt got a random text from me when i started watching the movie just me screaming about jk simmons I mean, yeah, I was glad because I knew that they, I was hoping that you were going to send me more updates, but I watched this movie right after I got off of work and I was kind of drunk. So most of my notes are like just fun little like, this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me, when we actually get into the movie, it's going to be the majority of my notes of just like, I liked this part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt makes a a brief 10 second cameo in this movie as a 
bouncer, police officer? No, he's he's a he's a he's in the police academy. He's just drinking at that bar oh, okay. and is hooking up with Jennifer at the time. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah like, it he, was he, weird to see him there. Cause like this was, scene. this was like Parks and Rec era, Chris Pratt. Yeah. It was like the first couple of seasons of Parks and Rec, I would think. Yeah. Definitely before Guardians. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's still like I mean, he still looks like younger, but like it's very definitely Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's just in one scene at that bar where uh, Needy and Jennifer go to see uh, Low Shoulder, which I'm really glad that I read more about the <laughs> Adam Brody, the lead singer, the actor who plays the lead singer, because mm-hmm. it just put the like little bow on the top of what I had thought about the music era of this movie. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> The low shoulder, for those of people that were not in the scene or were not cool enough back in 2008, um, is one of literally tens of thousands of high school garage, like, pop punk bands. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the character of Nikolai, who's the lead singer of this awful, awful band, um, would <laughs> originally, and that is not just my speculation, that song fucking it sucks. <laughs> That they play it like a hundred times. It's not a good song. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, the lead singer was originally supposed to be slated to be played by um, Pete Wentz uh, from oh, Fall Out Boy. Boy. Uh, yeah, or Joel from Good Charlotte. Um, and both of them are pretty much who this guy Nikolai like wishes he could be. Mm-hmm. And to the point where Adam Brody, who's the actor, who um, it was just perfect for the time because he was in uh, a show called The OC, which was like the later half of the 2000s, um, like answer to like Dawson's Creek. Which sort I actually of thing. think like Chris Pratt was in too. Chris Pratt was in that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very much like the cool kids who watched MTV or like the CW of that era mm-hmm. watched The OC. Uh, he was also in Ready or Not, uh, Scream 4, and uh, the new Scream interesting not in like a large capacity at least in the new one but yeah i don't remember him from four i don't either Um, but he he's talked about how he based his character on um three different people who are also singers that they also could have just totally gotten to be this character because they're all the same (laughs) type of people yeah uh brandon flowers who's the lead singer of the killers mm-hmm. uh adam levine of maroon five and jared leto <laughs> 30 seconds to mars <laughs> i think i would have lost it if i saw adam levine in this movie period whether he was the character or just in it well and there's a point where like when they're going to do the ritual and the bass player who fucking props to the bass player first of all <laughs> he's like man, I don't know if we can do this. And he's like, you want to be, you know, shitty like Randy or whatever from Low Shoulder or you want to be like Adam Levine from Bird 5? Yeah. Like, wait, so this movie knows exactly who it is making fun of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of alternative types of people who are cooler than everyone else, uh, the little goth kid Colin. <laughs> I think he's so sweet. <laughs> he is such a sweetheart. Oh, I so misunderstood. 
He's also played by Kyle Gallner, who is also in Scream 5, which I'm just calling it now because mm-hmm. they're making more. Um, he was also in The Haunting in Connecticut and the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I spent pretty much every moment that kid was on screen when I watched the movie the other day trying to place where I knew him from. And it's absolutely okay. from the Nightmare remake that came out yeah. the year after this. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he looks the exact same. Yeah, he's just got, like, piercings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's also supposed to be a big part in Smallville. Uh, he's Bart Allen in Smallville. And he's okay. a pretty re- he's a pretty big recurring, uh, like, when he was a little bit younger, he was a pretty big recurring character on Law and & Order. And what I also think is kind of interesting is that he was on an episode of Criminal Minds where the unsub was played by Robert England. I oh. think right before he did the Nightmare remake. <laughs> That's First of all, amazing, but second of all, awful. Because can you imagine being on a TV show with Robert England and being like, oh, hey, um, I'm about to go make a remake of the movie you're famous for that you're not in. I would have absolutely wanted to talk to him about it. And then like, <laughs> listen, um, I love you, but like, I also really want to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd want to ask him what his thoughts of the movie are and like the fact yeah, that it's yeah. being made. Or just to, I mean, in a, in a perfect world sense, you get to be, because Jackie Earl Haley, who I will maintain is a good Freddy Krueger. He's very yeah, scary. To be like terrorized by him and then to be terrorized by Robert England, because he's definitely the bad guy in Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> just at the same, just to like, I know what it's like to get like fucking. <laughs> terrorized by both freddy kruegers yeah <laughs> it's true oh man that's that's a new goal in life <laughs> Meet robert oh yeah england well and robert england's gonna show up uh in another episode or two when we talk about uh, urban legend which that's i just found true. out that he was in because <laughs> i picked it up today uh to get ready and i'm like wait robert england's in this i love that he just keeps appearing in horror like oh I yeah i think I, that was the beginning of when he was just like i'll just be in horror movies and like getting robert england in your horror movie was like how you got it big like funhouse massacre remember that yes. one yes <laughs> that's what i always think of it's that and nightmare on elm street when i think of robert england <laughs> and that's how you know funhouse Not massacre did it okay, okay. robert england is from nightmare on elm street <laughs> Elm Street, Elm Street and, and Funhouse Massacre. And then Stranger Things. Listen, he's in Stranger Things for a whole like 10 minutes. And no, he no, still made less voice. of an effort than, or less of an impact than he did in Funhouse Massacre, in which he was on screen for two minutes. <laughs> for Stranger Things 4, I guess. <laughs> like, I liked Stranger Things 4 so far. I'm intrigued to see how it ends, but they wasted Robert England, in my opinion. Slightly off topic. Isn't he the voice of the bad guy too? He's not. People were speculating for a long time that he was going to be, and I really wanted that to be true, but he's not. But he's at least in the makeup though, because I've seen pictures of him getting the makeup on. I mean, this is kind of a spoiler for the show, so spoilers for season four. No, it's not Robert England. Robert England is legitimately only in like a scene where he's telling some backstory because he's in a uh, prison for the criminally insane. 
Well, I mean, I guess he is doing the Robert England role in any C to D list horror movie where he shows up, says a scary thing, and then leaves. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I guess that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, also brief aside, um, have you seen the Goldbergs at all? There's a show. It's uh, I think it's on NBC or ABC. I haven't, but is that what he showed up as Freddy Krueger for? <laughs> Yeah, so first of all, the Goldbergs is delightful as fuck. My parents love it. It's basically just like, it's like a, like an, an 80s to 90s like sitcom type thing. But like, I don't know, it's hard to describe. Like the whole family is like very, very Jewish. So it's like very funny. And like every other episode is like an homage to like some 80s or 90s thing. Kind of like re- regular show is where like every episode is like mm-hmm. a different thing. Um, but yeah, there is an episode where he's in it and he's Freddy Krueger. Like, and it's the first time he'd done it in like 30 years. Mm. Interesting. Um, but yes, back to Jennifer's body. Yes. So like I said before, America was truly, truly a different place back oh, in 2009, yeah. the last real year. MySpace ruled the internet. Facebook was just a bad dream. And bands put out songs for arguably horror comedy uh, movies willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Panic of the Disco was uh, still trying to get its shit together after it lost most of its lineup. And That's Megan right. Fox was in Transformers. Mm-hmm. So what you're going into with this movie, thinking, and what you're going to come out of it with is completely separate. Absolutely. The movie like from the get-go defies your expectations of how this is going to go like it doesn't even do the 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 faculty type thing where it comes in and it's a drake and josh opening where it's just cool kids having fun on the clock no it throws you into the end and then pulls you back and drags you through the whole way to get there yeah Um, one more thing i actually want to mention before we get too far into the story is um, how Megan Fox prepped for this movie was she oh, stayed yeah. out of the sun for four months to become more pale and she lost more weight to get like a s- almost sickly look to her so that when she was having these scenes where, and I use the movie's uh, terminology here, when she's hungry, um, she she has this like, Yet frailty to her that then you yeah, she looks about. like Nosferatu <laughs> she kind of does yeah like she <laughs> looks bad like she looks like she's sick <laughs> mm-hmm. well and I found out that um, when she did lose the weight for the movie that she wanted to lose because I refuse to believe that the director asked her to do this especially oh, of knowing course not. this director but she yeah. lost 15 pounds for the movie and weighed only 97 pounds when she was filming oh. yeah she did look rough during those scenes yeah uh, but yeah, I mean, that would also make it so much easier for her to just go back to life as normal. And then when they showed the like, quote unquote, the next day where she's like, totally fine. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun. Yeah, as long as she was the one that did that. <laughs> so. yeah. um, I still wouldn't recommend it to anybody to do that. Yeah, don't do it on your own because you're not a nutritionist or like a doctor. So you don't know what's the best for your body. They do. Yeah, uh, I know you, you, you're living in your body, but they went to school for it. So trust them and do what they say. 
And please be careful. And please be careful. Do not. That is your health talk with Square Horror today. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, actors, there's Method and then there's Jared Leto. Do not be Jared Leto. (laughs) Don't be a Jared Leto. Don't be a Jared Leto. Let's just let that be everybody. Don't be a Jared Leto. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't be a Christian Bale either. He he might also die from the weird shit he's done to his body. But anyway, enough about method acting. Let's get into Jennifer's body. That sounded yes. bad, but let's get into the movie. <laughs> I'm glad that this is how we're getting into this. So the line that I, I, I'm stuck on. Oh, okay. no. And I'm sure that you can see it on the outline. Well, I can. Because I've quoted it. I think it's just so, it's the funniest that they bring it up so often. They bring this up as soon as it, like the scene that establishes Jennifer and Needy's relationship has Jennifer showing up to her house while she's with her boyfriend, while while Needy is with her boyfriend Mm -hmm. to come pick her up to go to this bar. (laughs) Chip, her boyfriend, tells Needy that she and Jennifer are, quote, you're totally lesbian gay. And I'm like, yeah, dog, everybody can see that. (laughs) And it's like part of their relationship dynamic is that everyone's like, damn, I know you're both straight, but like, you clearly are in love with each other. Yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, I I think think that's a great like setting like setting the tone for the dialogue of this movie yes (laughs) i also think that it's cool because it's a good point where you know jennifer is supposed to be very hot cheerleader she does flags but even that like she's still clearly a normal person Mm -hmm. um who has like mannerisms and personality and whatnot that is just like a lot of that matches up with what you would think someone like that would be but she also obviously again has a lot of depth um, mm-hmm. But it's very cool and needy is a nerd. She probably was in band before high school. Like she was, a, she's a nerd type girl. Oh yeah. Um, hey, I mean, I hung out with band kids, but like people know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And I think it's really original to have like the cheerleader super babe actually be in love with her dork best friend, mm-hmm. but it's not supposed to be like hot or sexy it's just wholesome and nice it's like real it's not sexualized right and because it's such a like defiance of expectation Mm -hmm. you almost don't like you can almost dismiss it like i am of the mind that jennifer the character is in love with needy but she just doesn't know like how to like come out of it you know like she, mm-hmm. she, you know maybe i'm pretty sure jennifer the character is bisexual and the way that megan fox played her was that like yeah she likes attention from men but it's all about controlling men like mm-hmm. jennifer has this mentality that women hold all of the power and i fucking totally agree with her that it's if you can control the reality of your situation you can control anything you can, you can do anything like even it's if true. like men are dangerous which they are like you just you have the ultimate power to like control the situation mm-hmm. if you just know what you're doing and it doesn't mean you have to over sexualize yourself jennifer just does it when she needs to or wants to and it's always 
in her own way. Like she mm-hmm. can start and stop it whenever she wants. She can accelerate or accelerate it or she can decelerate it. And I think it's such a very cool thing that it is a, it is a thing that totally exists out there, but like no one really talks about it. And that's yeah. the way that she's like, that's Jennifer with men. That's mm-hmm. not deep. Her thing with needy, that's deep. That's her real love. Yeah. And I just think that's a very cool thing that's not usually done, even with men, like even like in, in with movies with gay characters, like that's just not normally done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's brave. In a not brave. ironic way. Like I truly do think that it's a cool thing to just be like, I'm just gonna say this very radical thing about femininity and sexuality and then everyone just kind of misses the point but mm-hmm. like that doesn't mean they missed it completely. like they got the message just like subversively yeah they <laughs> don't know they got the message but they, they got don't it. know they got it they don't know they got it but they got it they don't know we know they know but they know so danny here i've on your note about the dialogue being very unique and capturing the tone these are some of my favorite quotes this first one first has half. been in my mind since i saw this movie last <laughs> night it's been in my brain for 24 hours the last one is uh, the one that's been on my mind <laughs> i'm good because like we both have the dock up so we both know <laughs> what's happening but yeah these are some of my favorite quotes from just the first like half of the movie mm-hmm like, I stopped writing them down after a while. But yeah, Danny, your favorite one that's been stuck in your head. Um, is, and I quote, it smells like Thai food in here. Have you guys been fucking? <laughs> Mostly, most of these, by the way, are said by Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite one, in that, like, literally in that same conversation, because she tells Chip that he's lame. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, jello. And on the way, he's like, what? She's like, you're, like, green jello and you won't even admit it like what does that mean i can't i think that's supposed to be a joke about him being jealous uh see i'm not smart enough for jennifer (laughs) (laughs) this one's um nikolai after the the bar burns down and they're like the final destination fire He's like, you want to head somewhere safe like my van? <laughs> like, in the most, like, trying to parody someone abducting someone type of way. Mm-hmm. And the van, they're like, well, what van? <laughs> she, when, when Needy calls Chip and she's like, they just took Jennifer in this van. It's like, what do you mean a van? Like, what kind of van? She's like, I don't know, Chip, an 89 rapist. <laughs> <laughs> god it's so good like the dialogue is just that like they go from like making a joke but keeping the tone of the scene mm-hmm. so you just laugh at how absurd it is but then you still get the like oh shit this is still an immediate concern yeah um and fucking my favorite which is just the most disarming thing so like, jennifer has come back mm-hmm. is clearly a succubus and he's just like um you like showed up at my house yesterday and we're like not a human being you were puking up moving <laughs> things yeah you puked up the venom symbiote like what's up with your which i found what, out what's... was made with uh hershey's chocolate syrup yeah yeah they they had that as the base and then they put little cgi like ooky spooky bits of like on top of it later yeah yeah but <laughs> needy's like jennifer what's wrong with you and she looks at him she's like what's wrong with you 
besides the obvious surface flaws. <laughs> it's not as funny coming out of my mouth, but it's like all of these lines when delivered in that very like mean girl's way of writing is mm-hmm. fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and that one just was the, that just took the cake for me. <laughs> um, can we talk about this fucking horrible band for a second? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so Jennifer and Needy go out to see a band from the city uh, at their Bumblefuck bar uh, slash music venue. Um, mm. And it's just very of the time. Like Jennifer's even like, yeah, I followed on MySpace. And I'm like, oh God, this is such <laughs> a time. There's like band posters all over everybody's rooms that are just mm-hmm. like both of bands that are made up and bands that are not. And I can't tell you which ones are and aren't real because all of the names, even the ones that are made up, all Could sound like real. bands I like. They're bands I feel like I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bands that you don't doubt would be around at the late 2000s. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are bands that like opened for Alisana back 12 years back ago. Back in the day. So, like, they're all straight up, like, probably real. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they might as well be like the Plain White Tees. Because, yeah. like, that was the <laughs> band back then. Um, did we watch American Satan? Uh, no, because I still haven't seen it. Okay, okay. Um, for anyone that has, this movie feels like American Satan, which is about a rock band making a deal with the devil. Uh, after they sacrifice somebody and then they get big success and then it, you know, obviously it crashes and burns for them. Mm-hmm. But um, this is American safe if they fucked it up. <laughs> 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 because they still like got famous and big with their deal with the devil, but like they fucked up the ritual. They just mm-hmm. were great at pivoting immediately <laughs> yeah. to like to just cash in on the fact that their music venues caught fire spontaneous like they never really fully explained that like they didn't cause that fire did they i i'm guessing they must have but i don't know how when or why so yeah like <laughs> that fire doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but you know what it happened <laughs> Well, and that fire starts out like when you know the band is playing. You know the girls are standing there. Look at that cute straight way that Jennifer covers up that she totally wants to hold her girlfriend's hand. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's just you covering up that you just wanted. I mean, it was so it's very very sweet. Um, and then yeah, then the place catches fire like Final Destination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And all those practical fire stunts. Like, they had people running out of the bar on fire, and that was pretty dope. Yeah, that was cool. And, yeah, those all were, I'm pretty sure, practical effects. And we all love a good fire stunt. Oh, yeah. Remember that guy in Haunt that, like, has the Guinness World Record for, like, being on fire the longest? (laughs) That's right, yeah. Or, like, his production company that's just, like, we set ourselves on fire. Like, Mm -hmm. hire us. (laughs) But yeah, man, that whole scene is, I mean, just the fire, it's pretty cool. Like, Mm -hmm. just the way that they, again, the movie sets you on edge with what the tone is. Like, right when you think you know what it's going to be, it changes. Mm -hmm. So you get the fire, and then, you know, Needy goes home. The band has abducted uh, Jennifer for unknown purposes, but Mm -hmm. Jennifer finds her way home. Looking like a corpse. Yeah, covered in blood. (laughs) Her own blood. Yeah. Um, 
And it's kind of cool because even with this thing now piloting Jennifer's body, uh, I said it, but um, Jennifer is still like either in the driver's seat looking out the window or the demon just has no way of like communicating. It's kind of like the predator where like mm-hmm. it doesn't know how to communicate, but it uses like what would be appropriate for the situation in its host body normally. So yeah. it almost sounds like a computer that's using Megan Fox to react to things, mm-hmm. which is why they always come off very weird. Like when she gets stabbed and she's like, ow, my tit. Like <laughs> the demon would not say that, but like mm-hmm. the demon doesn't know how to articulate feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like something has happened to here. What would, what would Jennifer say? And then it says that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I have a whole, like, I feel like her, the banality of her being possessed, it mm-hmm. like adds to how much it's just like offhand. Like, she just offhandedly says shit about mm-hmm. eating flesh or like feeling full and all that stuff. Just all these references that she's a demon and just no one says anything. <laughs> mm hmm. Like, yeah, she probably just thinks it's not that cool enough to mention that she's hosting a demon, so it just doesn't ever come up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right. So, Danny, how does Needy take that um, interaction with her best friend showing up at her house? Uh, She doesn't take it very well, because she's got to clean up the death puke that's on the ground. but she decides the next day to talk to her boyfriend about it and be like, hey, so this was weird, right? And he's yeah, like, he's like, oh man, maybe she just like, like threw crazy? Up. Like, like yeah, I think she like, was just sick. Girls. And <laughs> no, Chip, it was evil. <laughs> yeah, the puke was like moving. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I don't know, maybe she was sick. And he's like, no, Chip, it was like evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like, as soon as Jennifer comes to class and looks fine, mm-hmm. Needy's like, um, what happened? Like, what happened to you? Like, you disappeared and then a bunch of people died in this fire. Um, like, and you're just like totally unflapped by any of that. Uh, you showed up at my house and are gaslighting me. That, that did not happen when I know it did because I was like all night cleaning up the Hershey chocolates. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> the symbiote. Um, you want to explain yourself and then she just doesn't. Yeah, she just <laughs> kind of like, stops. The conversation is over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> talk about when she kills the football player. Oh my god. Yeah. So... What a weird scene. <laughs> So they're in the woods, first of all. Weird start. And she, like, talks to him about how he's sad that his friend is dead. Yeah, like, he's just standing at the edge of this football field, and she's, like, walking in from one direction and then shows up next to him the other direction. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Let's see that that happen. Um, but, yeah, he... He's clearly upset that his friend died in that fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, this <laughs> is a fake thing that she says his friend said, and is like, "So we should uh, hook up. Let's go to the trees." 
and he's like, I was uh, maybe okay. the last person to talk to him, like yeah. ever. <laughs> just like yeah, again, she's bringing up his dead friend when she's trying to seduce him, which yeah, I, feel I just like have wouldn't a... work. Yeah, like, I, this the progression of the scene of just like, and then her tits are out, and then she mentions his dead friend. Yeah, like, like not to get the, too graphic, but like she's making a move and then mentions his dead friend. It's also not fitting that, like, he's got a lot of conflicting stuff. You know, he's mm-hmm. getting his dick fondled. Yeah. Um, she's talking about his dead friend. Uh, and apparently, this is a Disney movie because all the animals are watching. <laughs> yeah, the animals come around just to create a circle to watch this human sacrifice. So what struck me the most <laughs> for the rest of this scene until J.K. Simmons comes in at the end is the fact that for this okay Diablo Cody has just written a movie that has won an Oscar Mm -hmm. now she's writing a horror movie that is like kind of about like femininity and it's gory so like you're just an animal handler working in Hollywood and then you get a call for you need one of every woodland creature Mm -hmm. and you're an animal handler so you're like all right, cool you know what do you need them to do and then they are like, just watch this girl, like, feel up this guy, and then eat him alive. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so, like, there's an animal angler definitely credited for this movie. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> like, I just can't. Like, real life exists, okay? And this movie exists, and it was made in real life. <laughs> I just I can't get it. I can't wrap my head around it sometimes. <laughs> but like shit will just happen. Yeah, and then J.K. Simmons is at the end of it. You know when she's eating this kid, he just hears <laughs> this guy wailing in the forest, and he's just let like, it all out, kids. Let it out. Let it all out. Like mm-hmm. I mean, he does find the body, but like. If the scene had just ended there, it would be a scary movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's such a big thing, too, when, you know, they find the body. His parents are there. You know, mm-hmm. they're in a very, in a scene straight out of Heather's. Yeah. Um, you know, after they've killed the two jocks and have framed them for being gay, the, the dad at the funeral is just like, I love my dead gay son. Mm-hmm. The exact same energy of that in this movie has that man screaming in front of the whole community, just into the sky, basically doing a Zach Bagans like "Come out and face me" ghost mm-hmm. uh, to whatever killed his son, threatening to make uh, their balls door knockers. <laughs> now this seems funny. And then I found out that that man playing that character voices Patrick Starr on SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wait, so that means it's Marshall's dad from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I didn't know that he was on that show. Wait, is he married to fucking um, uh, Mrs. Petrelli from Heroes, or is that Ted's mom? That's Ted's mom. 
Oh, okay, okay. I was like, there's no way because Bill Fagerbeck <laughs> is also in Heroes. <laughs> but actually, I think that scene where he talks about making his balls door knockers is just in the director's cut. Okay, that's fair. I, maybe because it was just a little too crass. <laughs> yeah. Because you didn't know that that scene happened clearly. <laughs> yeah. I think we might have seen that the first time, but I sure did not see that the other day. Oh, well, at the very least. <laughs> but I kind you know. of love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God. So, like, how are you watching this movie at this point? Like, what's going through your head? I mean, honestly, I, I can't tell you, man. Because at this point, I'm a little confused because it's been a minute, so I forget most of what's happening. Right. And so I'm along for the ride. And um, then we get the scene with Jennifer just swimming in a lake after having <laughs> murdered someone. <laughs> well, and she's just eaten, so she, like, looks good now. Yeah. You know? So, like, it's... I don't know where my mind is at at this point, but I was like, I forgot this movie was like, I forgot this was so out there sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just, you know, and we're going to have to cut this episode into two parts just for our sake for right now, because we have about a half of the outline left to do. Mm -hmm. But one of the last things I want to talk about um, on that lake scene uh, about where my where my head's at mm-hmm. is kind of in what we talked about a little bit with multiverse of madness, uh, where you have this female this this female character who is the villain, mm-hmm. but is still like the emotional core of the mo- of the movie. Yeah. So like like later on when when the uh, is it homecoming or like turnabout? What the hell? Whatever the hell dance? Uh, it's their uh, like spring formal. Oh, spring formal. Okay, okay. So for spring formal, you know, Megan goes and, you know, Needy is, is maintaining that it's going to be bad because, you know, there's a lot of ripe young boys to eat there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Megan's dress feels like a supervillain costume. Like, she starts yeah. to, like, I think this scene with the lake, it's to start pivoting that, like, this thing is, like, wearing Megan like mm-hmm. a suit. Like, it's using purpose kind of like in freaky um the way that silent stoic vince vaughn takes over this teenage girl's body and turns her like he like weaponizes what she's got mm-hmm. i think this succubus like doing this like it would be like objectifying to be like oh man megan fox this is skinny dipping but it's almost too sinister to be like yeah. that you know what i mean like because it's it's so evil mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, yeah and it's not good. it's not done in a sexualized way either it's just a like establishing shot of her in this lake so content after having just murdered someone right right and like the fact that we see as soon as she gets full Mm -hmm. she looks like even more able to get another victim because now she looks a lot more attractive she looks less like a corpse Mm -hmm. needy now knows that her friend is a succubus um and you know she's handling it very well she's taken the news real easy all things considered you know i think we're actually jumping a bit of the head because this this scene that i want to talk about just real quick <laughs> is still before that mm-hmm. um and it, i don't remember i think she's talking to jennifer like because jennifer has just eaten um 
not Rand. That's the Heathers. <laughs> that character. Basically, the, like, the jock that she murders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she, she feels fine. She feels flirty. She feels great. So she's calling me. <laughs> and the conversation, like, like what we said before, where her, she just like offhandedly references that she's a demon, but like no one does anything. Yeah, no one actually talks about it. So it's that very like famous like where a lot of the, the screen grabs from this movie come from is mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer on the phone burning her tongue. Yep. Um, and it just healing all of these things where she's clearly like unhinged and not a person and she's saying a lot of weird cryptic things. And yeah. nothing better like emphas like nothing really encapsulates that scene. Like she's like, oh chips on the other line and she just Jennifer just goes, I am a god. Yeah. <laughs> and the needy kind of goes, okay, okay, I'm hanging up now. <laughs> and then it's, wait, how big's your boyfriend's dick? You know, like you have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, unfortunately, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't even say unfortunately. I say fortunately. Brings us to... Again, I'm not trying to be weird, but the most realistic and kind of wholesome, and I will stress, I will hazard to say cute, realistic high school sex scene. I don't know if I'd necessarily say wholesome. Uh, well, okay, it starts out wholesome. That's true. Because yeah, at the very it least, gets, it, it gets worse. Yeah, it gets bad. Well, yeah. it still gets a little funny, though. <laughs> like, but my bit at the end where it's like, hell yeah, man, I'm doing work. <laughs> yeah, he's convinced he's doing the most. Dude, Chip is having the best time. And I love Chip. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, Needy and Chip are clearly like a very, they, they love each other. They're a very yeah. wholesome couple. They talk. They, Danny, they communicate with each other. They actually talk. Isn't Finally. We found the only, one. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a little weird because like even the only time that like he doesn't listen to her is when she sounds insane. Yeah. But we'll get to that right after. In a minute. <laughs> but yeah, like it's not weird like i don't know like it's kind of sweet for a bit um you don't even see anything anyway either it's just like that's what i feel like that's what most people that's what it's like Mm -hmm. the first time like it's and it's reflective again of the tone of the movie where it's clearly written by and directed by and acted by people that understand what teenagers in that era are like and just mm-hmm. what teenagers are like in general yeah and it's it's refreshing especially in a movie about a sex demon that eats boys mm-hmm. that the boys do not become the, the exploitative the objects, nothing characters if you will. right exactly like i'm all for when movies flip the script but mm-hmm. like if you're frozen too you just make the man the damsel and yeah. then it becomes uninteresting yeah i said it Damn, calling out but, Frozen 2. Fuck that. And movie and the things <laughs> that it teaches. Men, specifically. However, this movie teaches everyone everything. Specifically, that Needy drives an Echo? <laughs> did you catch that? I did not notice that. And then I, I saw it rewire <laughs> and I lost it. I'm telling you, man, Echoes, they Dude, get the job done. I bet you that Echo's still running. <laughs> <laughs> 
Somewhere. I'm willing to bet. Because yours is. <laughs> it sure is. I would joke if we had gotten our car a couple of years later that it's the same Echo. <laughs> That's how well those motherfuckers run, dude. <laughs> Could you imagine I fucking get a new car, I pull up in an Echo, and you're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, no, 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 Danny. It's the one from Jennifer's body. And you know, all it's I'd have to it. tell you is it'll it'll last you about twelve years. <laughs> Cause I can't believe <laughs> my lovely, lovely shitty car is still running. And I mean, I mean I'm, knock I'm on glad. wood, but it's it's still holding up real well. What's it, does it even have any letters on the bag anymore? I think it still has an H. So now it's so just, it's just <gasps> 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 Yeah. Anyway, I mean it's like yeah, that whole scene when needy like, you know. She's fucking her boyfriend, and mm. yeah, he thinks that he's doing work. But she's Meanwhile, she's a panic attack. Yeah, she's seeing her best friend eat a person, <laughs> and sees the so, victims of or the previous victims of Jennifer. So, what do we think all that's about? Like, what, I don't. Do you, do you think know. it's because because truly, and not to be cliche, like the power of true love. She just knows, and because it's sex and succubus is like that's their whole deal. The fact of the matter that like there is a sex demon around, and clearly like has spent a lot of time around her. That it like she sees it, and like mm-hmm. she sees and what it wants her to see. I was gonna say because it's definitely some kind of a connection. And if memory serves, this is before the two of them kiss, so it can't yes. be that, that was their connection. So I'm not right. entirely sure what binds the two other than like the lasting relationship they've had. Maybe. Yeah. I, cause honestly, well, cause I might even have something to do with how like at the beginning of the movie when her and ship are kind of getting down and then she pulls away and it's like Jennifer's here. And he's like, that's so fucking weird that they just know that yeah. about each other. Like they just have that weird little like twin sense about each other. Mm hmm. Which I would be down to chalk it up to. Yeah, I I could I would buy that. Let's sell that. Let's say yeah, that that's let's work with that. <laughs> Twin sense, <laughs> but best friends who are in love with each other. Yep. Um, friends and to I lovers. Think it's, it's also interesting for her to have that reaction mm-hmm. to like get up and not even be able to like tell ship what's going on and then to leave in her yeah. echo. She doesn't know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she doesn't know that it's a succubus. She hasn't gone to the library and done the reading. Mm-hmm. Um, which is when I say, so then I went to the library and got weird. <laughs> Our library has an occult section? Yes, it's small. <laughs> also, hold on. I'm going to take a little pause here because... I I love your note before this, and I went to do my research to, like, prove that uh, the Whatever Happened to Baby Jane musical was just made up for the movie, but I was wrong, and I found out it's real. Um, It premiered in Houston in 2002, and I don't think it was ever done again, um, unless I missed something in my readings but i sure thought it was fake and it's real 
It happened. Oh, I was wrong. It premiered in 1998. Okay. In I mean, I, may, I mean, I mostly just put it down because I just saw it like in the background uh, when like, they were setting up for like the spring formal. So there's shit hanging up in the hallways and stuff. And I saw a sign for the Whatever Happened to Baby Jane musical. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, that's a clearly very pointed thing to put. So yeah, it was very specific. Like for people that don't know what that is, because it's an older movie and it's mm-hmm. a weird movie, but it's about a woman like psychologically terrorizing her sister as they're like yeah. aging and dying. Um, specifically in a mental, like I don't know if it's in a mental institution, but like it has that vibe of like someone is stuck in a mental institution and it's just getting fucking psychologically tormented by like whoever's next to them, which is like kind of what happens to needy later mm-hmm. where she's i mean we meet we know it from the beginning of the movie but she has been she's found herself in a women's prison mm-hmm. and clearly from what we know of her in this from the actual movie is very different from yes. how she is in prison she's violent in prison she is defiant she is uh she, she, a lot of weird stuff is happening with her Mm-hmm. Um, she gets very like riot girl uh, in prison where she's still very like cutesy aesthetic. She's got bunny slippers, but she'll kick the shit out of her orderlies. Yeah. And I just, when I saw that, I'm like, they did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I just wonder why. <laughs> I'm glad you did the due diligence to see if it was real or not. I, just, I was mostly just like, they're doing this to make a reference. I just can't believe it's actually real. So there you go, folks. It can't be good. Like, it straight up cannot. Well, no, because <laughs> I just found out it didn't have the film rights, so it's not oh. technically based on the movie. It's based on the novel that the movie is based on. Ah, and here I was. I didn't even know about the novel. So Neither did I. All lear- we all learned something new. There's you your listeners uh, and Broadway us. musical lesson of the day from Square yeah, Horror. We like to sprinkle those in every now and then. <laughs> I have a BFA. <laughs> I don't, but I like theater. Yeah. <laughs> I like to learn. So Needy goes to the library, the tiny, tiny, itty-bitty occult section, but still finds a massive tome on demons. Yes. And she tries to very patiently and in very mean girl script talk her boyfriend who clearly is not signed up for any of this through what a succubus is mm-hmm. and then try to basically like give the ta-da to like let him put together that like that's what jennifer is yeah because she even is tells him like jennifer is evil and he's like yeah i know and it's like no 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 not high school evil like actually for evil, real evil. evil. <laughs> and he co-ops it into like wait, are you breaking up with Because she's like, you can't go to the spring formal because now that I've just laid out all this evidence, she's going to go there and eat a bunch of people. But we got to go to the dance. I bought your corsage already and it was like $12. It was like $12. <laughs> I was like, not a more relatable line has ever been uttered by a high school student. <laughs> That's why, man, I just like, whoever writes all the Blumhouse movies with like all these high school question mark kids, like maybe that's how kids are now, but like that this is how kids were when I went to school. Yeah, <laughs> they were just kids. They were just idiots. Yeah, they just didn't know what they were doing, man. Like, like I literally wrote down like 
Wait, is it because he all he took from the entire conversation was, wait, are you like breaking up with me? Like, is this just like a la- like a huge elaborate yeah. plot to be like, I don't want to go to the dance with you? And I'm like, no, I'm not breaking up with you. I'm just trying to kill a demon. It's just not safe for me to be with you right now. And he's like, um, okay. whatever. I'm just not going to tell my mom anything. I'm just going to say I'm meeting her there. Yeah. Because then we get my favorite panic at the disco song in the movie yes can we go out on this song please i know it's on spotify oh i love it so much um also for anyone that's interested who hasn't heard the song before um just youtube panic the disco new perspective get the music video because it's got footage like from the movie in there too i'll throw the link Um, to the music video in our description so you'll be able to find it spectacular i it's so good and like if I, like, I, I really can't put to words the feeling that like this movie and the faculty like gives me mm-hmm. new perspective, like encapsulates that vibe perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, know I, I don't mean. know. Maybe this is more of a me thing, but yeah. Well, yeah and I kind of love least, that like... it's with this um, like gearing up montage for a formal instead of your average horror movie <laughs> gearing up for like the final fight and instead it's just these right. people awkwardly taking pictures with their family it was cute <laughs> yeah because like needy looks like she's going to prom in like 1988 her like her hair is right? on, like weird i don't know why she chose like she knew that she was going there specifically just to scope out jennifer like why her mom doesn't know that <laughs> Her mom definitely paid oh, for man. all that. Her mom, okay, by the way, before I've, I've, had, I've had this up earlier. So, fucking, what the hell is up with Needy's mom? I don't know. But like, she's, she's there. She, she just, like, reminds me of so many people that I know as mothers, where I'm like, you know you're like an adult, right? You know you're like an adult woman yeah. who, like, needs to be a mom and not like a what were the words she used a hard ass for tough mama bear those are her words <laughs> she, but she just like is gone like she like her Needy's mom and jennifer's mom have five seconds of screen time yeah and well, like that's they it. explain <laughs> away needy's mom a couple times that she's like working late or something yeah i think like, she works at like a hospital or something uh, at night yeah but, like, yeah, they're just not around. Jennifer's mom only comes in once she sees Needy killing Jennifer. That's right, yeah. And that's it. That's all she's there for. <laughs> um, I did want to specifically just take note of Needy's mom because uh, she's played by Amy Sedaris. Yeah. Who, um, a lot of people would know if they just saw her credits. Um, just the couple that I know, at the very least, people, a lot of people have watched Bojack Horseman. She's the voice of Princess Carolyn, the cat agent on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also, for everybody, was um, Walter Hobbs' secretary in Elf. Yes. So, at the very least, you'd probably know one of those two things. Um, but yeah, her mom probably though didn't care how she went so i'm still putting this on needy <laughs> yeah putting this the whole <laughs> on her 
especially because she goes to the dance and already kind of has like a weird break from reality. Mm-hmm. Like, is this before or after they hook up, or is that later? I think the dance is after they've made out. Okay, okay. So maybe by that point, that's when she's already kind of like, like if you kiss a demon, you just start to get all weird. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that would make sense. But man, this dance is, um, it's just like, it feels like a fairy tale. Like the whole like last <laughs> couple of, so, like you've got Chip going to the dance alone. And he's like walking through this like dark, ominous park to get to school. Like because it it's at the school, can, and you can back me up on this. This the ending of this movie feels like the ending of an episode of Buffy. Like it feels like it's shot very similar. Yes, it feels like it hits. I'm okay, good, good. Because he's just like walking through this like abandoned set in Canada. Because the whole movie's made in Canada, so it's just mm-hmm. a lot of like open space. And the whole time I'm just like this is like every oxygen network serial killer like movie. He's the victim because the killer is a sexy cheerleader and not a weird man. So yeah, you could tell me or you could just show me the clip of him walking <laughs> to the formal and I would guess that it's be- it's the beginning of like an episode of Bones. Yeah, or like supernatural or something. Yeah, because like he, he's literally going through there like just a helpless, lonely boy out here all alone. Hope nothing happens to my precious, precious bowl cut. <laughs> like he's just a sitting duck out there. Like oh, Chip, yeah. come on, Chip. Like Thrasher jeans, bowl cut, likes all like the pop punk bands of the time. Yeah. He's a good boyfriend. He's mincemeat to Jennifer. Oh yeah, he's he's dead meat. Yeah. Well, and then uh, when Jennifer <laughs> finds him, she's immediately she's immediately like, "Yeah, uh, Needy was cheating on you, dude." And he's like, "I know that isn't true, and if it's true, it's with you." <laughs> he's like, "Um, it's you, dog." Like, because even when like she tries to like get him to start making out with her, he's like. Um, it's like he's kissing a wall. He's like, uh, yeah. you're not a person. What is happening here? But even still, he follows her to the abandoned pool. This is the thing I always forget about. And I always think that maybe this time it'll be different. I'm like, maybe this time Chip, go, Chip will get away. Maybe this time <laughs> he'll be fine. Maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. Maybe he gets bitten on the neck and he lives. Maybe he's okay. <laughs> Is but, he okay, Matt? No, no, he's fucking not, Danny. He's dead. Gets murdered. It's the sweet. It's like the sweetest scene, though. Yeah. Because it's in this creepy pool. Like the whole pool set is amazing. Yeah, I love that production design. Oh god, it's so cool, and it's so like villain's lair. Mm-hmm. You know, it like, kind of almost... reminds me of like a more. It's like if Poison Ivy worked yeah. with her lair with the Penguin from Batman Returns. Yo, yeah, that's what this pool set reminds me of. 
Oh, for sure, for sure. Or like, when's the last time you saw It Follows? Uh, it's been a little bit, but fairly recently. Uh, there's a really good, um, like, abandoned pool scene uh, towards the end of that yes, movie. Yes, I love that. Rules. This makes this gives me a lot of those those vibes. Also, like, let me in. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Anywhere where there's a pool that you are at at a time where the pool should not be open, mm-hmm. that's a good vibe. Um. Uh, the uh, oh god, I was gonna, gonna say the um, the vibe of the poison ivy aesthetic. I think I you hit on really cool. Is it feels again in the very fairy tale way. This is like where a legendary like folklore beast would like live. Yes. Like the town lore that's out there, like the the devil's kettle being that like weird mystical whirlpool mm-hmm. that like no one knows where it goes and like you know the whispers of like this cannibalistic creature that only kills boys and are only like horned up Mm -hmm. and you know like some people say oh it lives in the you know girls locker room like oh it lives in the abandoned pool up the hill and whatever like oh i I heard that it it, it still wears the, the spring formal dress like that's how it you know like it just all that little like folklore type fairy tale stuff like a high school monster i love that i think that's such a cool thing to do Mm -hmm. i also think maybe that the matt reeves universe could cast megan fox as poison ivy if they wanted to because that would be fucking cool i would not be opposed to that that'd be super dope (laughs) That, that could be rad but they got to give me a good right. Mr. Freeze first. But I, I digress. I don't want to get into the background. Oh, right they now. will. Don't worry about it. They will. They will. <laughs> um, so without, you know, like, I'm not even saying without spoiling, but like a lot of this movie you got to see to mm-hmm. believe just the, the way that it progresses. Like we're hitting on like the big parts and like our, our favorite parts, but like needy squaring off with jennifer for the first time in that pool is very interesting like mm-hmm. they're little like the way they just like cattily roast each other while like yeah. she's clearly trying to murder her <laughs> i'm going to eat your fucking soul and shit it out like that's <laughs> such a not scary thing to say to somebody when you're fighting them <laughs> It's great. The the energy of the scene is great, and it's still very much like grounded in the tone that the movie is going for. While you still take it seriously, and the stakes are very intense, obviously, yeah, it's still a very fun time. It's not like getting too serious. It's still very charming. It's still very sweet and genuine. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jennifer is flying, but like, shut up. But that's beside the point. <laughs> right, right. Because then we get to pivot to like Jennifer has been denied food. So she is mm-hmm. weaker. Needy now has the killer instinct necessary to finish the job. Mm-hmm. So she shows up at Jennifer's house to like finish the job. Uh, Danny, what weapon does she bring she brings the choice weapon of all warehouse workers everywhere a box cutter because a box cutter you see danny 
<laughs> cuts boxes. <laughs> it took okay, so in full disclosure, I had to like pause the movie for a second because I'm like, that's a joke. And I had like I hung in like 20 seconds of silence before I'm like, because it cuts boxes. Because that's a slang term for a woman's vagina. <laughs> this is why this episode was so much funny in my mind. Because I'm like, we're, the, we're like two men who have no place talking about this movie. <laughs> and I think that it makes it funny because it's that. I, I mean, I did like serious things about the scene too, but like, it's for cutting box. She even says that. Like, yeah. She even tells her that. Like, what? <laughs> um, the scene is very cool too because it has like that exorcist bit where like she's flying above her bed and they're like on top of each other. It's a cool scene to like remind you again, like this demon could be wrecking your bullshit but because it is not strong enough it this is what it has to do exactly yeah. it can't it can't do it um i also think it's very interesting that the last thing that we see jennifer do is bite her because mm-hmm. up until this point and then we we saw it when she was fighting her at the pool but succubi attack men. They're female sex spirits that prey on men. Um, nerd corner, the, the opposite of that, a male spirit, a sexual spirit that attacks and preys on women is called an incubus. It doesn't really matter. They're both thick. But Jennifer even is like, I go both ways. <laughs> but it's the first time, like she doesn't kill any women. She, mm-hmm. It's not that she kills when she's hungry. She just specifically kills men because they're easier to attract mm-hmm. um, given who she is. But she bites Yidi. It's like the first time that she attacks her in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's so strange that, you know, like this is the time that she defends herself. Like, yeah, you know, like because Jennifer showed up in her time of need, no pun intended, too needy twice, I think, <laughs> at least when she was clearly mm-hmm. very hungry and needed food. But yeah, it almost seemed like either the succubi or Jennifer both decided not to kill needy because mm-hmm. that wasn't sexual attraction, that was love, that was not gen, you know, it, it was like different, yeah, like. I, I would almost put money on that the succubus was like testing the waters when she was like, let's make out. And then when she felt like, like the, the, the sex demon felt the tender love between these two women and was like, I can't do it. I can't mess this with isn't, this. Yeah, this is an infatuation. This is love. Like, that's not my bag. Like, I can't mm-hmm. use that to like torment people, which is why she decided to go for Chip instead so she could isolate Needy. Yeah. Which, like, that's fucked, but, you know, it's kind of nice. <laughs> like, it's no, nicer it than it, it could be worse. You know? Yeah, because then biting her doesn't kill her. It just, you know, she turns her good. into a demon. Yeah. Uh, 
which is, I mean, that was kind of my big thing. Is because like I forgot how the movie ended, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait, so is Needy just like cool being part demon and just hanging out in prison? And then I forgot no. the credits. <laughs> I forgot well, and about. actually, I before we bring up what happens in the credits in the original screenplay, the ending was a little bit different. Oh, um, it was originally just going to end with essentially her prison escape her grabbing the knife and getting in a car. So it would be a little bit more open-ended as to what she was going to do. Okay. And then I'm assuming the studio was like, "Um, can we please have a little bit more of a definitive ending? And then they were like, okay, we'll just... I really hope that they were like, can you please kill those fucking idiots in that band? (laughs) Can you kill them all for the love of God? (laughs) Walk us through what happens, though. I love that whole sequence. Um, so, yeah, she uh, Needy breaks out of prison with her demon powers. She finds the Bowie knife that was important to Jennifer's transformation. And she's yeah, just the one like, they used on her. And she gets a ride from this random guy, and he's like, Oh, where are you going? And she says, The town. She says, I'm following a band. It's going to be their last performance tonight. <laughs> and then the credits start rolling. But they're rolling just to the right of the screen, leaving just enough space on the left for you to see what happens that night in the band's hotel room. It's really cool because they do it in a way that's like pictures, like mm-hmm. someone had like their camera. Yeah, it's and like then pictures the and mini is, videos. Right. And then like the remainder, once, you know, media shows up, is it's all crime scene photos. Yeah, it's crime scene photos and then security camera footage of a bunch of fans running to their hotel room and Needy walking away in her hoodie. Yeah, I thought it was great. That I really just, like the ending. I, I love that ending, especially because I like, because I did my best to forget about those guys. In the band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. Honestly, stop, stop with the song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I forgot about them and I'm like, I'm glad she didn't. That she was just kind of biding her time until she's like, I'm strong enough. Mm-hmm. Now I can leave and kill these guys. Yeah. Man, fucking Jennifer's body. It's <laughs> so good. And it's such an interesting ride. Again, like we've been covering recently, it's got such interesting character relationships that it delves into and it creates even in these most ridiculous of circumstances it brings in the most realistic of like choices that they have to face specifically needy and jennifer and their relationship as it bobs and weaves through literally dealing with a demon right and i just think no one's gonna want to watch yeah, I mean, of the time, Jabba Cody is probably thinking, no one's going to want to watch fucking two friends who are there for each other. There needs to be a thing. There needs to be a hook. There needs to be a way, like we talked about, like there needs to be a way where you you sneakily put the little medicine into the applesauce so that yeah. the <laughs> dumb public can eat it and not know that they're consuming like a wholesome bisexual tale. Yeah. You know, like at the very least, like, everyone that was making it was like, no, we were making this. Like Mm -hmm. we knew exactly what we did. Like everyone was on board and down to play it up because in a weird way, because it's horror, the more you play up, we like stuff, the more it's perceived as wild bonkers 
you know, like people are more willing to take it as it is. Yes. Because it's horror, which Mm -hmm. is weird. (laughs) Yeah. But it's part of what I really love about this genre is that it can do so much more than people ever give it credit for, whether they realize it's doing it or not. Like if you walked up to your average person and asked, um, is there anything LGBTQ in the child's play franchise or with Chucky movies, most of them are going to say no. But then if you watch (laughs) all of them and then you see so much because Don Mancini truly was able to do what he set out to do with that franchise and I, I can't wait for when we talk about that franchise one day because I have so I have so much to talk about with that. Um, okay, you clear, you've watched the show, so you, it feels like you know a lot more about something than I do. <laughs> oh yeah, man, the show delves into it even more. Okay, because right now all I know about is Seed of Jucky, and if you're gonna sit there and tell me that Seed of Jucky is a progressive LGBTQ movie, I mean you're not wrong, but like I'll fight you about that because <laughs> it's fucking piss poor to do it that way <laughs> listen he had, to, he had to work around it in like 2004 it was a yeah, time. He had to work on the weinsteins and fucking universal and it was yeah of course i say don mancini has gone through a lot to make the child's brave franchise as successful as it is is don mancini gay mm-hmm. is he really I, he oh, is okay very very good on him yeah because you yeah you're like he had plans i'm like Diamond CD had plans for his killer doll movies. Like, I, I guess I was, again, I haven't seen the show yet. I'm mm-hmm. behind. That's on me. But when we do cover that uh, franchise, we will definitely be talking about the show. Absolutely. Um, but on the note of, you know, creators setting out to do something with that message, Diablo Cody has been making movies, you know, about outsiders and the forgotten and stories that aren't told and perspectives mm-hmm. that aren't told for her whole career again I, I haven't seen them that's on me i like horror movies i don't usually go for other types but you know mm-hmm. she, this is just the one time that she decided to make a horror movie so i thought <laughs> yes you know so it was like oh awesome i didn't like again i had no idea that she was even associated with the movie one until we did the research for it but mm-hmm. once i figured out that she was a lot of the tone made sense from a more deliberate sense and i appreciated that especially now where it's becoming i don't want to use the word marketable because it's not always true Mm -hmm. but it does seem that at least in horror um for good for better and for worse uh that the lgbtq community is being is being given more of a voice or at least being given more attention i don't know about a voice as much Mm -hmm. but they're at least being given more attention Yes. Um, so you can have characters that are, you know, gay, bisexual, lesbian, transgender, even in a lot of these movies, and have them contribute a lot to them. Mm-hmm. You can also have them contribute little to nothing and just yeah. be fixtures. Um, but I think because horror wears itself on its sleeve, you can tell very quickly when those things are genuine and purposeful and when they're not. And mm-hmm. Jennifer's body, it's very genuine it's very purposeful and i feel like it's part of the reason that it's maintained so long especially in megan fox's own mind from because everyone i've talked to all the women i've talked to they've all agreed that it's 
this movie is literally about taking the power back and using the advantages that you have mm-hmm. against people. Yeah. And if that means weaponizing your sexuality, if that means weaponizing your physical, you know, like your body, mm-hmm. if that means, I don't know, like in, in the case of the movie, if it means weaponizing something that is like, you know, the school clearly was not ready to deal with a succubus on top of a bunch of people dying. So mm-hmm. she was able to like operate with like impunity and not get yeah. caught. So like she just, it's any, all about using circumstances to your benefit. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that goes so deep with this movie, especially with however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. I fucking love that it did that. Like Jennifer's body did that. I just, yeah. it's so wild, you know? Like I just never get over like this movie is so important to so many people. But then you watch it and you're like, this movie's nuts. Yeah. But I can't believe that it did all of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, you're totally right, man. Like, we don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I, there is, I don't watch a lot of movies like this. So, like, how, how it is able to do that and still be this poignant mm-hmm. now? Yeah, like, oh, when a lot of movies don't 14 hold years up. later. Right. Like, it's wild. It's so wild. And I, I mean, that's what makes it a cult hit. I honestly, mm-hmm. I think so. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's still massively popular now as a cult favorite. I found out it actually had an unauthorized um, musical made in 2018. Are you shitting me? I am not. Um, I'm oh very intrigued by it. We I'll have to look into something. it some more. We've got to find more about it. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, God, it's definitely I, <laughs> still reaching so many people to this day. And I just it love is. that. And it's not only reaching people like in a fun Princess Bride way where it's just like, isn't this fun that like generations like it? It's reaching them in the ways that it originally was not being interpreted. Mm-hmm. Like now people are going into it like, oh shit, it's like a super woke bisexual movie. And it happens to be set in like the greatest period in American modern history, the last great period in American modern history, <laughs> in, my, in Matt's opinion. Um, and it happens to star all these people that gave 110% to a movie that did not need 110%. Like I said the same thing about the last movie. Like they just, they didn't have to do this. Yeah. Like horror is a whole lot of like, you didn't have to, but you wanted to. And people cared about that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate this movie a lot. I love this movie so much. It's yeah. I I mean, obviously, we've just spent so much time talking about it. So we obviously recommend anyone watch it. Oh God, everyone! I feel like anybody would like this movie. Like, it's not all that gory. It's not all that even like gratuitously sexual. Mm-hmm. There's not even all that cursing. It's just entertaining. Just like how the faculty was, I would assume for people that went to high school in the early 2000s, late 90s, it's just, it makes me feel safe in a weird way. Like back when like high school, like at least on paper and movies and shit, like made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like movies that do that. Like I like when there's a simple sort of an ecosystem yeah. to disrupt um this is disrupting it a lot <laughs> yes but, you know 
and it's disrupting it in a new and exciting way, but it's still a very familiar landscape for somebody who was peripherally aware of life at that time. Mm-hmm. So, and if for nothing else, it's a fun as shit movie. Oh, absolutely. You'll love it. People will love it. Like I, I, I would put money that nine out of 10 people that would see for me love it. Mm-hmm. And the one person is just like, I don't know. I could have done with less panic than a disco or whatever. <laughs> like it'd be some like surface flaw. <laughs> What's wrong with it besides the obvious surface flaws? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as cool as Megan Fox, so I can't pull it off. It's true. No one's as cool as she is. That's also. Um, Anyway, follow our Instagram at the other Square Horror Podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us by uh, Raven. Oh. Does that go to you or to me? It goes to, it goes to the raven. The raven uh, <laughs> then talks to the... Um, I don't know. Hey, Danny, don't you have to leave soon? <laughs> don't we have to end the episode? Because Matt ran out of things to say. <laughs> Until next time, you stay spooky out there. Yeah.